Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where people, places, and happenings of West Seattle come together in one place. I'm your host, Keith Bacon, and this is our third episode. I started this podcast to get more involved with my neighborhood to highlight and interact with the people, places, and events that make this community so interesting. And a lot has changed since I went live with this podcast. As the coronavirus clampdown continues, it's not even possible for me to safely do in-person interviews. So for now and the foreseeable future, we're going to be phoning it in, so to speak, and see how it flies. This episode was also supposed to go live on April 1st, but after having the rug pulled out for me so many times with our once-in-a-lifetime pandemic situation, that joke was really getting old, and I thought maybe April Fool's Day was best avoided this year. But on that day, I did score an interview with one of West Seattle's most sought-after celebrities, and that's coming up later, along with some hot dish from Keisha Vaughn and a check-in with Laura Radford from the West Seattle Junction. On top of everything related to the coronavirus situation affecting our community, West Seattle was hit with another major blindside when our primary roadway crossing the Duwamish River and connecting us to the rest of the city was suddenly shut down until further notice due to cracks found in the structure. And this bridge is not that old. It was built between 1981 and 84 after a ship struck what is now known as the Low Bridge and made it inoperable. As the primary connector between West Seattle and the rest of the city, the High Bridge crosses the mouth of the Duwamish River at Elliott Bay and typically carries about 100,000 vehicles every day. If you've ever been in one of those 100,000 vehicles, you may have noticed a sign about midway across that reveals the roadway's official name, the Jeanette Williams Memorial Bridge. But who is Jeanette Williams, and why is the bridge named after her? To learn more, we talk to West Seattle resident and retired member of the Seattle City Council, Tom Rasmussen. Who is Jeanette Williams? Uh, Jeanette Williams is deceased now, but she was uh, a longtime member of the Seattle City Council. And she chaired the Transportation Committee of the City Council at the time that the ship hit the, the low-level West Seattle Bridge. And then she worked tirelessly as a transportation committee chair to get the funding and the political support to build a new high-level bridge. And why is the Jeanette Williams Bridge named after Jeanette Williams? Jeanette chaired the transportation committee even before the high-level bridge was built. For a long time, people had tried to replace the two drawbridges or basketball bridges, as they're called, but it failed either through corruption or ineptness uh, or lack of funds. Anyway, so she chaired the transportation committee, was already working to replace those two bridges when the uh, ship, the Antonio Chavez, hit one of them and it caused the, uh, the bridge to be uh, stuck in the upright position. So that was an opportunity to focus attention on the importance of replacing those low-level bridges. And she was the chair of the transportation committee, and she really seized that opportunity and provided incredibly strong leadership at the city level to get the funding that enabled the new bridge to be built, the high-level bridge. She worked tirelessly in Washington, D.C. with Senator Warren Magnuson at that time to, and of course, Maggie was a very powerful, as they called her Maggie, was a very powerful senator, a good friend of uh, Lyndon Johnson also. And Jeanette knew both of them and had worked and was working with Warren Magnuson to get the funding. And one of the reasons why we were successful in the city is, uh, is when I say we, in getting uh, some of the funding that was needed from the federal government is because it's a navigable waterway. 
the Duwamish River is. And so that justified the feds getting involved. And so Jeanette got the money. Charles Royer was the mayor too, and they both worked together. But Jeanette was the Transportation Committee chair. Mm-hmm. Also, her son, Rusty Williams, lobbied the city actively to have the bridge named after his late mother because Jeanette died, oh, maybe 10 years ago. And it's I think it's appropriate that people would kid her or tell mm-hmm. her, oh, you know, that bridge ought to be named after you. And she would say, you have to be you have to be dead before they name something after you. I'm not in any rush. I'm not in any hurry. Uh, so that's that's why she worked really tirelessly on that. Um, I think it affected her health. She ended up in the hospital for a little while with uh, phlebitis, and uh, but she didn't want anyone to know because she was a really proud and very strong public official, and she didn't want any sympathy. She just wanted results, and she got them. And what was your relationship with Jeanette Williams? I was Jeanette Williams' legislative assistant, and so I supported her and worked with her to help her get the various things done that she needed to have done. What do you think she would make of our situation right now that we're in? I think she'd be surprised and and really disappointed that this relatively new bridge is already in fragile condition. Mm -hmm. It's quite shocking because it was considered a state-of-the-art bridge. It received awards for its design, and it's amazing that... uh, it's in this condition, so that would be one thing. I'm sure that would be one reaction. The other is, why didn't the Department of Transportation tell anyone that it was beginning to t- deteriorate until they decided it's closed? I would say she would find that unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Did she live in West Seattle? That was the thing that was really ironic. People thought she lived in West Seattle because she worked successfully on so many projects relating to West Seattle. But no, she lived near Magnuson Park in the View Ridge neighborhood in Northeast Seattle. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. I really appreciate you uh, sharing uh, that great history and insight. Okay, well, call anytime. Thank you, Keith. And that's the story of how the West Seattle Bridge came to be and got its official name as the Jeanette Williams Memorial Bridge. The bridge may be closed for now, but in future episodes of Always West Seattle, we'll use the Jeanette Williams Memorial Time Machine to take a look back at other major moments of West Seattle history. Now it's time to check in with Keisha Vaughn for some hot dish. So what's going on with you? What's happening in Keisha's world? I feel like the first two weeks of this experience, I've witnessed people who are trying to get comfortable with the reality that we're in and making friends with it. You know, we're in this house until... Who knows when? And some days we're going to be on YouTube all day long, and other days it's going to be no TV, no technology, music only, art only. Like, this is kind of what I'm trying to accept as a once in a lifetime opportunity to really not give a fuck. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, everyone I think is just sort of, you know, having to make it up as they go along, and different people are taking different approaches to it. We're all going through it together, but in another way, we're all going through it alone and having to figure it all out for ourselves, which is a weird feeling. Totally. And I can't compare my experience to someone else's. And it's so easy to look on their social media or the news or whatever and just think, like, I don't have a full schedule for these children every single day. Yeah. Or myself. I mean, there's goals every day, but the reality is, is like what happens within the walls of our home 
is what's going to be right for our family. And if that means that we're up at 11 o'clock at night, which is the reality of how we actually are. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to feel bad if school starts to camp. You know, yeah. like uh, if you get it in, you get it in. Like, right. and I definitely have a newfound respect for like the custodians in elementary schools because <laughs> <laughs> having these people in my house and cleaning these bathrooms to the real heroes in the education system. Yeah, I've been but I've been I checking mean, out some of your uh, IG stories, and I was like, wow, those kids are they're busy. They've got a lot going on. They're tearing this place up. And <laughs> I, I had to be the one to say, you know, this is what you need for your personal bubble. Yeah. Like, you can't worry about the bubble. Like, right. I can't get angry that there's Legos all over the place or paint supplies or paper or books. Yeah. Or socks. This is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to do enough each day to feel sane and to feel happy. I want art and music to be a big focus in the yeah, day. Yeah, that's great. And and if that takes a little more presence over doing fractions at this point, like just, <laughs> well, it's a stressful time too. I'm mean, you know doing what you can to help yourself relax and just take your mind off of what's going on and stuff is is super important. And uh, the fractions will be there; they're not changing. Exactly. <laughs> they're not changing. They are set as what they're going to be. But like I create moments for myself or the people in my house to feel like there was some sincere moments of sanity and routine and rituals to make us feel healthy and happy. Like that's the only way we're getting through this experience. Totally. And that we're very privileged to be in a home, to have food, to you know, not have to be exposed to people who are really sick and scared and struggling. And, you know, like that is something I'm not overlooking or taking for granted in my experience. A fail safe for me if I'm ever feeling freaked out or sorry for mm-hmm. myself just to think about what I have to be grateful for, you know, and pulling the gratitude lever. And it really puts everything in perspective of just stop freaking out and kind of really is a an instant mood changer and still valuing that like you're allowed to freak out but just because you have a cool house and a fireplace doesn't mean that you shouldn't get the opportunity to feel overwhelmed by things that we can't control yeah it, the gratitude has only gone so far <laughs> the last few weeks <laughs> but it helps <laughs> it does definitely definitely help well, hang in there, and uh, it's good oh. talking to you. Oh, it's good talking to you. Thank you for checking up on me and just things like that. I feel like some people who I've been kind of surprised have reached out to me just mm-hmm. to see how we're doing and things like that. Just kind of reminds me that there's still like energy of community in the air. Yeah, and that goes beyond just like that physical contact. It's, it's spirit that is like really allowing us to stay connected to each other. And we're lucky to have that here. Even with regular ways of doing business having gone the way of readily available toilet paper, there's still exciting stuff happening in the Alaska Junction, the heart of our neighborhood. To learn more about how our beloved local businesses have adapted to our pandemic times, we checked in with Laura Radford, Executive Director of the Junction Association. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happening in the Junction with our local restaurant? They've all pivoted in their own particular way. It's been really interesting to see how the business owners have responded to this 
mm-hmm. pandemic. And it's ranged everywhere from the business owner just has decided to close and use this time to renovate their restaurant. Uh-huh. Um, Shadowland is looking into that. Tillerico's closed. So we have that kind of segment of restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then our middle ground are the folks that decided to dial back their full menu. Right. And they went into a, a, almost like a dinner mode right. where they develop a set menu every single day and they portion out a certain number of you know meals and when they're sold, they're sold. Mm-hmm. So that would be someone like Lady J, Cafe Mia, mm-hmm. and Haymaker are doing that. And then some of our businesses, they are still offering their full menu, but they've just scaled down the hours. Everybody scaled down hours. Sure. But they could scale down their hours. An example would be Elliott Bay. They've scaled down their hours, but they're still offering a full menu, mm-hmm. as is the West Five. And then a couple of our restaurants, they pivoted and they took a look at their best-selling items, and West Five is a beautiful example of that. Oh, Falafel Salam, they still have their full menu as well. Mm-hmm. And West Five, they said, okay, our best-selling item is mac and cheese. Yes, it's delicious. <laughs> and I know, it's so amazing. And their coconut cake. Uh-huh. So they really focused on those two things. And then just recently, last week, the Liquor Control Board, they opened up curbside, um, not only some curbside delivery, but also they allowed the restaurants to start to sell spirits Mm -hmm. in sealed bubbles. Oh, Phoenicia is another restaurant that still offers their full menu. So it's been really, really interesting to see how we've responded to that. So going back to Lady J., they have a little spirit package that you can buy. Mm -hmm. I think they just put together the trash Manhattan, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) And then the West five, they created a Mai Tai to go kit, including the famous West five twizzle stick. Oh yeah. And you get, you get the glasses and you get, you know, all the stuff to make your Mai Tais at home. Yeah. And then Phoenicia, they also have cocktails to go. Mm-hmm. And then just outside of the Junction Mission, they also have some cocktail kits to go as well. So as these rules are changing, the, the restaurant owners are like a thousand percent agile. And they are just figuring out what they can do yeah. with this new these new parameters that are coming out each day. And you've done a lot in terms of supporting specifically the junction restaurants, the curbside parking. We did, yes. We got a little, I'll have to admit, we got a little Mad Max. <laughs> and we, the, the day the original order came out, I said to my assistant, um, Dave, I said, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to grab all the A-boards. I worked with Diamond Parking and they delivered their A-boards that they had in stock to us. Wow. And we created, I know it was great, and we created the 15-minute 
paid parking A-board. Uh-huh. We got cones and flags and we basically just printed a bunch of signs out and put them in page holders and commandeered California Avenue. And SDOT not only looked the other way, <laughs> um, but they actually replicated those signs in a more like less Mad Max kind of way. Mm. But we started out commandeering the 15 minute parking for the parking lot. Yeah. And then when we found that the parking lots were empty, we as entrepreneurs do just went for it. And I hoped to ask forgiveness later. Yeah, that's amazing. So now we have a combination of S-stop parking signs, which were delivered immediately as soon as I requested them. Mm-hmm. Thanks to S-stop. And then we still have our 15 minute like Mad Max boards out there. Great. That's so cool. Yeah. Just like lots mm-hmm. of options and ways for people to support these businesses. And there's some retail outlets are open as well for online and other kinds of sales, I think. They are open for online with direct shipping. As we know, retail was shut down immediately, um, but we still had some options with curbside service. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are slowly dialed back as well, which is fine. So a lot of our retail merchants, again, have pivoted. And, you know, how you always say, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'll get to that. I'll get to that new website. (laughs) I'll get to that online shopping portal. I need to figure out how to set up online shopping or product sales through Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Well, g- guess what? We all did it real quick. Yeah. I'll get to ordering that bidet okay. that I've been talking about for a long time. <laughs> I know. I know. And now all of a sudden we do it. And again, it, it expands to our fitness people too. Um, uh, Beerkman Yoga, Row House, Eight Limbs, Star Cycle, all of them immediately figured out ways to get what they offer, which is exercise, especially for this quarantine period. And they all went online. So now you can access all of their classes online and they're either free or they're asking for a small donation. Yeah, which is great. It's uh, bringing the junction to the entire world now. I know, right? (laughs) Well, you know, it's always been world domination for me. So, (laughs) you know, this is just one step closer to it. (laughs) And you've also created a way for people to adopt a business to show their support, which is also something that people from anywhere around the world can do. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So on our website, and just going back to the Junction website, you can find information on our, there's a retail page that tells you who's got the shop online. And then there's also a restaurant page Mm -hmm. and it says who's currently open and their delivery portals, whether it's self-delivery curbside pickup, or using a third party like Caviar. But in addition to that, we also have a fundraiser that we started. And if you feel very strongly about wanting to support a particular business, Mm -hmm. then you can enter a dollar amount and the name of the business and those monies um, come to the junction. And then what we're doing is we are paying all of the credit card fees And then we're taking the money and we're distributing it um, directly out to the businesses. I actually just had an email from Jack Miller's son, you know, Jack of Husky Deli. Yeah. And um, due to his age, which I know in his heart, he's probably 18, but (laughs) he is someone 
who is in the risk category now. So Jack and Heidi, they are at home and his kids are taking care of Husky Deli for him. And we've got a number of donations for Husky. Mm -hmm. And so I've just been emailing Jack's son and I just got an email back from him. He's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. They're reaching out to the donors. We're reaching out to the donors. And then I get the joy of writing a nice, healthy chat Mm. to Husky Deli Mm -hmm. and walking it down there and giving it with social distance, of course. (laughs) Of course. And this is just a way for people just to show their support of the businesses. There is a huge funding gap for the actual entrepreneurs, the actual people who are trying to keep their businesses running and keep people employed and fed. Right. And so those funds go directly to the entrepreneur to do whatever they need to keep their business and themselves going through this really challenging time. Right. Well, thank you for all the incredible work that you're doing to help keep our junction up and running. And we'll give a shout out on our social media and repost some of the specials and things that you've been offering through your channels that the different businesses are doing. And keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you so much for the phone call and congratulations on the podcast. Thanks. You're one of the best people I can imagine to Uh, start something really uh, amplify what we're doing. So thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. For more information about Junction businesses offering delivery, takeout, and more, visit wsjunction.org. With social distancing in place here in West Seattle, along with just about everywhere else in the world, connecting with people for interviews has been challenging to say the least. It took me a while to reconfigure my recording setup to be able to connect with people over the phone and internet, and I wasn't able to deliver a new episode on April 1st as promised. But on that day, I did manage to connect with a West Seattle celebrity who insisted on speaking to me in person. And with this particular local notable being notoriously fickle, popping up here and there with seemingly no rhyme or reason, I couldn't resist the chance to actually connect with them. So after figuring out a way to attach my microphone recorder to a selfie stick, I agreed to meet with this sought-after star of West Seattle. Nobody knows much about their backstory, but everyone's talking about it. If you follow neighborhood news and social sources like West Seattle Blog, Nextdoor, and the like, you probably already guessed who I'm talking about. And no, it's not Eddie Vedder. It's the one, the only, the West Seattle Turkey. Hi, thanks so much for offering to meet with me. You're a tough one to pin down. There's a lot of online speculation and discussion about what to call you. Some people just say the West Seattle Turkey. Other people refer to you as Thomasina, Tallulah, Admiral Belvedere, and I've even heard a mashup, Admiral Tallulah. What is your actual name? Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I wonder why nobody has thrown that name out there. (laughs) Yes, opinions are like that. But fortunately, most people around here don't act like one, so to speak. Uh, And speaking of, you've been spotted everywhere from North Admiral Chicken Coops to Junction Area Construction Cranes. What is your personal favorite part of West Seattle? Oh, I totally agree. The Alaska Junction is indeed pretty amazing. Uh, Where are you originally from? Oh, wow. The other Washington. 
are you finding it hard to be away from our nation's capital during this trying time? <laughs> yeah. And you can smell the stink all the way over here on the West Coast. Well, uh, we're glad you've decided to make West Seattle your home, and uh, we'll see you around. <laughs> and that does it for this episode of Always West Seattle. Let's stay close as we keep our physical distance. I'm Keith Bacon, coming to you from the Alaska Junction in West Seattle. Thanks for listening. <laughs>